It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Here we go, 4 o'clock hour, Reno, welcome in, Las Vegas, you've been with us, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno, you can hear the show streamed at lvsportsnetwork.com. John Von Tobel is the company, it's Cofield, Ari is steering the ship, uh, big news down here, and you know, certainly it's you know news in northern Nevada, because you're concerned about who's coaching at the enemy at UNLV, but Barry Odom is going to be the head coach, the new football head coach, guy out of the SEC most recently, was the head coach at Missouri for four years, went 25 and 25 there, was a uh, coveted head coach candidate this year after serving three years as D.C. with Arkansas, a very good program. So we're kind of finding out more and more about Coach Odom as the show moves along. We always start the 4 o'clock hour with the Big Four at 4. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at 4. Number four. Boy, nice run now. Real nice run for the Vegas Golden Knights. And last night, they came out house of fire. I was glad to see that. You know, Bruce Cassidy, I'm sure, feels like he got screwed over by the Bruins. And the Bruins have just been in a powerhouse coming out of the gates here, John. And last night, Knights come out two goals really quickly. They held a 3-0 lead. Bruins storm back. Game eventually goes, I almost said penalty kicks, penalty shots. Did I say penalty kicks earlier? I might have. I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Penalty shots. And Logan Thompson made save after save. By the way, is one of the lead candidates for rookie of the year. He's been amazing. And he is good in shootouts. I His body language, I, I was like, is this guy going to keel over after every save? It looked like he just exhaled. Like, oh. But both goalies got it done. And then finally, finally, VGK got one in the net. First attempt this season for Smith. The lefty carves his way in, right, then left, straight on. He scores! Riley Smith wins it for the Golden Knights. 4-3 the final in Boston. As always, Dan Duva with an awesome call. Future 2022 Nevada Broadcaster of the Year. He's actually one of the five finalists. I was glad to see that. He was one of my votes. Great call. I think the most shocking thing, aside from stop after stop after stop by Logan Thompson, on the penalty shots was the fact that Cotter actually got stopped on one of these things. I don't know if you're watching. He made an awesome move, had the goalie completely beat and somehow missed. But uh, he's been, you know, he's been the jewel in uh, penalty shot situations for the Vegas Golden Knights, and you know their solid start continues. Uh, so can I say I I was watching the game without sound. I thought Riley Smith actually missed. Like the uh, the game winner, so I was like, "What is he celebrating for?" And obviously, the replay you see it, huh. but the the look on Cassidy's face when they pan over, he's shaking hands. He's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> I thought it was he, great. He deserves it. He oh, deserves course. it. He's done a good job so far for the Vegas Golden Knights. And you know, on the Bruins side, I guess in their defense, sometimes even when you're achieving at a high, it's funny. We just talked to Dan Mullen last hour, the former Florida coach and Mississippi State coach. When you win, expectations go higher and higher and higher, and some organizations and fans lose sight of the fact that, you know, getting a team consistently to 95-plus points every year ain't easy, right? Mm -hmm. But the bar gets raised with that roster in Bruins land, and they won a cup, and it wasn't happening. So in the end, you know, 
It's a great benefit for the Golden Knights, and it looks like they hire the right guy. Wouldn't that be quite the dramatic postseason series with quite a bit on the line? On the Stanley Cup final? Oh, yeah. That'd be freaking awesome. Number three. So I know you're waiting anxiously on a baseball decision. And so far, baseball has been pretty crazy, right? When when major league owners are allowed to operate unfettered by the league, right? Because mm-hmm. I truly believe Bud Selig at times worked with other owners to try to put a kibosh on real open free agency. When it's like this, you're going to see owners go crazy because the good owners want to win, especially the super rich ones, and they're all super rich. But the ones who don't want to live in a welfare state, like they want to spend money. And we've seen some big signings. Aaron Judge is up next. And the reason the story is so great is because it's a New York story. And generally, I hate talking New York stories, especially after we feed you guys in Vegas five hours of New York sports talk. But this one's great because it's a coast-to-coast story for you folks in Reno. I know, I'm know i sure there's a lot of Giants fans you know, following the sports scene in San Francisco. And it's just the way this whole thing has developed. Aaron Judge... It could be any minute now. Could be going to the Giants. Someone pulled a a false move. John Heyman's a longtime baseball writer, and I thought he had tweeted out earlier. Was that fake John Heyman? Was that real John Heyman? No, it was real John Heyman. Okay, he had tweeted out earlier that Judge was going to the Giants. And here's the thing, folks. If you don't know, I am a Yankees fan, but I am so frustrated with the next level of Steinbrenners. They stink, and they're cheap. I think Brian Cashman, their GM, has fallen under the spell of arrogance that if Aaron Judge leaves, it's a, it's also it's a good smack in the face for New York sports fans who are like, if you can't get it done here, you can't get it done anywhere. Everyone wants to play here. Now, now everyone doesn't want to play there. Gabagool. And, and uh, he was throwing a gabagool, right? <laughs> everyone doesn't want to play there. And the players have power now. Right. So if you want to flex your muscle at the beginning of the season and try to shame Aaron Judge by saying, hey, we offered him seven years, 213 mil. Basically like, what's he doing? Fans, go sick him. Well, Aaron Judge remembers that. And Aaron Judge is a Northern California guy. So, hey, whether it's New York or L.A. or, you know, if you were you had a player in San forever, you got to – I'm not even saying you got to coddle guys, but you got to re-recruit them. Of course you do. Don't be D-bags to them. And then, of course, he unleashes one of the monster seasons we've seen in the last 50 years. So the Yankees were back in no corner, but they did it to themselves. They did it to themselves, which is why I would love if he left, by the way. Like one of the bigger middle fingers to have the season that he did and then just say, later, and go to the West Coast, which, by the way, West Coast is better. And, and you mentioned the most obvious thing, because New York, I, I mean, New Yorkers are hardcore with their fandom, but I think a lot don't realize that like, he's a West Coast guy. Mm-hmm. I think he'd probably prefer to play in the area uh, that he grew up in and, and enjoys more. And uh, can I just say, by the way, because you blew over one of the most important stories of the day. So John Heyman uh, reported that. Did you see, though, the meme that it has become? Because he didn't just say Aaron Judge to the Giants seems likely. He said Arson Judge. He actually misspelled Aaron Judge. So that's like the big thing now. Arson Judge trending on Twitter because he's going to the San Francisco Giants. Allegedly. He's got a big offer. I hope he goes. Now, it was uh, it was interesting today. So I'm reading a New York Post story and this morning, and it's got multiple quotes in there. Uh, going back to what Judge has said in the past, um, he said, you know, we kind of said, hey, let's keep this between us about that, the offer of seven years, $213 million coming out. He said, hey, let's keep it between us. I was a little upset that the numbers came out. I understand it's a negotiation tactic, but, you know, to put pressure on me, turn the fans against me, turn the media on me, that part of it I didn't like. 
So I had retweeted that, and I'm like, well, you know what? New York did it to itself. Yeah. And I tried to tell people, New York fans, you know, I randomly will be up on threads, and I'm like, you're going to lose them because of you. And people are like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to be ownership being cheap. No, it's a combination. There were a lot of you Yankee fans, not me, because I'm an adult, but you insulted your best player, and then he kicked the crap out of baseball. It was funny because uh, JT the Brick, also in the building, who does National with Sirius XM and Raider Nation Radio 920, um, had tweeted out, I love the speculation that Judge has his feelings hurt by Yankee fans and management. So that was my tweet. Um, if he leaves, he leaves his legacy in pinstripes. That's the only topic that matters. Why he's leaving isn't a topic. Right. That's the topic. Of course it is. What, the, we, the, the, the topic in New York is it will be the stupidity of, oh, what about his legacy? Who cares? Who cares? You lost him. How did you lose a guy that you brilliantly drafted a little deeper into the draft off a 60-plus home run season? You did it to yourselves, and the player is telling you. By the way, he's not gone yet. He's not gone yet. But that is the angle. And my other angle here is these kids got this property that is worth 7 or $8 billion. Will you cheap mother – will you spend the money – like, supposedly the offer from the Giants is $360 million. How many years? Because you know what? If I'm the Yankees, have you seen years? Not yet. Let me look. If I'm the Yankees, I'm like, okay, I'm done messing around with this. You know what, Judge? It's 360 for six years. None of this, we're going to, $38 million. No, it's $60 million a year. Oh, we know and guess it. what? I also wouldn't be like, take it or leave it. I might spend more. All we know is that it's in the neighborhood of $360 million. We don't know the years. That's just the it's, offer. It, but it's probably million. eight or nine years. Right. It ain't six. No, it's not. And can I just give, say? Give the, or give the, I don't care. It's $8 billion. They were given this thing. Spend the money. You know what? Here, we won't do $360. We'll do $350, five years. $70 million a year. And guess what? You'll be $35, $36, and you can get another deal. Right. I don't even understand what's happening here. Oh, I do. Because that's the story. The Yankees have effed this up, and some of their fans have effed it up. And that's, by the way, it's a trend with Yankee or with the New York fans in general. We saw that in the years with both LeBron James and Kevin Durant, right? With the free agency, it's not the "Hey, please come." It's challenging them. You yeah. prove it. You come here and you prove it. I've always, I've told the story multiple please times do your on New this York accent more. Please. <laughs> but I when it. I when I first went to New York and I got to get out of Penn Station, it was the year that LeBron James was free agent, and there was that sign right out of Penn Station. LeBron, you're the king. You come prove it in New York. Yeah. That sign should have said, "Please, we're please, begging you, please. come to New York." And the next right. on my knees, LeBron. <laughs> but it's New York. Instead, that's not how they operate. You come here. We matter. No, you don't. And Aaron Judge is going to show it again. Yep. Oh, I can't wait to get some of the people. I, because I rem- I remember everything we do on the show. Freddie Coleman came on with me at the Super Bowl, and I was like, I explained the whole New York situation, my opinion of it, and he he pushed back. So we'll see what happens here. Judge goes to San Fran. You did it to yourselves, New York. Number two. Uh, skip two. We're going to one. We'll do two later. There's too much going on today. Number one. What has Derek Carr done over the last three weeks, in your mind? Has he revitalized his reputation and made himself more attractive to other organizations? Or has he now locked up confidence with the Raiders and he's going to be around for a while? Uh, I think it is the locked up confidence of the Raiders and he might be around for a long time. Because here's the thing, Steve. 
Uh, you know all those other organizations you're talking about that might be viewing him a little bit more favorably? You know what they don't have? They don't have Devontae Adams. And that connection looks pretty pristine over the last four games or so. And every and here's the thing, right? And this was brought up. Uh, I want to give the guys credit on the Pro Football Focus podcast. The Sam Onson and Steve Palazzolo, they do a good job. And they brought this up on their most recent episode, which was this. We were hoping that this connection was going to be there, the collective we, between two guys who hadn't played with each other since college. Right? That's going to take a little bit of time. And sure enough, oh, boy. Last four or five games have been incredible for Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. Carr's numbers have improved exponentially. If you look at his PFF passing grades and more, if you're the Raiders and this connection that you wanted to establish is all of a sudden starting to blossom in front of you, wouldn't that make you more confident that you're going to keep this guy around? Not necessarily. I think so. I don't I don't know what they believe Derek Carr is. I don't know. I mean, this helps the whole situation. You want to see him win. Uh, I'd like to see him make a run at the playoffs. It's a cool story. I mean, I was I was in the stands watching the game on. I go to a couple games as a fan each year. I was in the stands on Sunday, and it was one of those where you're like, my God, this guy is. This is like another level. He's running around, and the other guys look like they're at three quarter speed. This is nuts. No, no one can be this good at receiver. And then some of the catches, like while Carr threw some beautiful balls, there were also a couple balls that you know snatch yep. one hand fingertips that Devonte Adams had to make. It was. It was incredible. You know, we'll continue on this question. Miles Simmons, national expert from Pro Football Talk, will uh, get into where the Raiders are right now, what it means for Carr long-term and the Adams relationship with LVR. Big 4-4 brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Anywhere in Nevada, you can call 766-1400. I'm not playing again. You heard John Harbaugh say it could be a day-to-day. It could be week-to-week. Cool. <laughs> it's over with me. I'm going to heal up, baby. Y'all go ahead and figure it out. I'll talk to y'all in offseason when it's time to pay. Get your checkbook out because uh, y'all didn't want to give me any kind of security. So seeing as I'm hurt, I don't want to make this more severe. I'm out. I got nothing else for you. <laughs> Did my best. Good luck to y'all. Y'all boys, go get them. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. All right, let's continue on some uh, Raiders talk here. We're just talking about Derek Carr and what he's done for job security moving forward. National expert, Pro Football Talk. You can see him on Peacock as well. Miles Simmons is in. Miles, how you doing, buddy? Expert is a very nice word. Thank you. You are an uh, expert. Well, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I am. Sometimes I'm not. But let's see. I mean, test my knowledge. What do we, what do we, we got? We don't have non-experts on. We, we don't book jabronis. You're, you're non-jabroni. Um, <laughs> Who was well, the NFL rushing leader in 1973? Uh, well, no, it's not sports quiz. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that's trivia. That, that's, yeah. That, we're not here to talk about the past, to quote Mark McGuire. John and I were just talking about, JBT is here. We were just talking about what Derek Carr has accomplished over the last three weeks, aside from getting wins, and I was throwing out the question, has he now locked up another year with the Raiders, or is this simply making him more attractive to other organizations? Um, a little of column A and a little of column B. I think it, it depends on what these last few weeks bring. You know, I mean, if he goes out and he stinks up the room on Thursday night against the Los Angeles Rams, then we're going to be back where we were a few weeks ago when Derek Carr was crying at the podium. And I was wondering if Josh McDaniel should be one and done. And, you know, the, the Raiders have done enough in the last few weeks that I feel like that should not be the case. Right. I, I feel like Derek Carr and Devontae Adams have shown the connection that they need to show. Um, obviously, we haven't really seen much of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro out there. Don't really expect to see them this week either. But you know, if those two guys can come back and they play well over the last four games, you know, that means something. I think going into 2023, and I, I think it should have maybe turned the corner a little bit earlier in the season. It didn't. 
whatever, but you at least have some positive energy going into the offseason. Yeah, so Miles, that was kind of my angle, which was like if you're the Raiders in the front office and this coaching staff, you're finally starting to see the connection that you spent draft picks on, like to finally coming to fruition, right? It's Adams, right. it's Carr, and this is starting to look a little bit better. That was my angle on it. It's not even so much team success. It's, hey, we brought these guy, this guy in to have this connection with Carr, and over the last five games, he's got 664 yards, seven touchdowns, and 41 receptions. This is finally starting to happen. Why would we want to break this up? Right, exactly. And, and, you know, earlier it wasn't happening yep. in the year. That's why it was kind of like, well, what what the hell? You know, you go, you don't go to New Orleans and lose 24 to zero as you did and then have non-questions about what the hell is going on there. I mean, I, it was just that much of a disaster. And then the next week when you lose to the Jaguars in the way that you lost to them, and then, oh, by the way, you lose to Jeff Saturday's Colts who have not been able to win a game ever since. Like, these are things where you're starting to question what in the world is going on there now i still question why mark davis had to say that josh mcdaniels was doing a fabulous job or amazing job or whatever word it was that he used incredible i don't know but at that because at that time it didn't make any sense if he had just said stick with us then you would have been like okay yeah they were right but at that point you weren't doing a very incredible job of anything in the last three weeks you've shown the progress that you need to show to say all right you can feel good about this going into 2023. Whether or not that means you're going to be as good as the Chiefs, I don't know. Maybe not. I think that we've seen this year, you know, when we think that the Chiefs are going to die, they don't. So you can't count out Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, I, I think you can feel better about the Raiders right now going into 2023 than any other AFC West team not named the Kansas City Chiefs. Rams, Patriots, Steelers, and 49ers next four games for the Raiders. How realistic is this potential playoff push, you think? Uh, well, I mean, because they're in the AFC, you know, what are they can get in there maybe at nine and eight. So I don't, I don't see it as unrealistic if they keep winning, um, especially because you're going to have that head to head against the Patriots. So it's not totally unrealistic. They're not out of it. Look, they're, they're going to be six and seven after Thursday night, because <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys <laughs> wow, have seen okay. any Los Angeles Rams games lately, but they stink on ice. I saw them so lose as long as they don't game. I mean, I think they look pretty oh, competitive. Come on. come on. I mean, you know, the, no, look, <laughs> look, I mean, I've, I've watched enough John Wolford and Bryce Perkins to know that those two are not legitimate NFL QBs. And so if the Raiders are playing the way they should play, if Max Crosby's playing the way he should play, if Chandler Jones is playing the way he's played in the last few weeks, then the Rams have absolutely no shot. Now, if they win, I'm going to come on here next week and eat my words, but I, I don't see it. So you heard the uh, audio coming in. That was what Richard Sherman uh, talking about the, oh, the, that's who that was. the okay. Lamar Jackson injury situation week to week with a knee injury. What do you make of the premise that Sherman's throwing out there? Like, all right, guys, peace out. You didn't give me the security, and uh, you guys handle the rest of this season. I got to worry about me. I, I think it's BS because, and look, if Lamar Jackson had an agent, he would not have played last year without a new contract. This is why agents are paid what they're paid. Lamar Jackson, by all accounts, was not really interested in negotiating a new deal in 2021. But if Josh Allen has a new contract in 2021, Josh Allen does not have an MVP award. Lamar Jackson has an MVP award. Why in the world was Lamar Jackson playing without a new contract? And I, I know that this is like one of these things where people are like, oh, he bets on himself and it's this and it's that. Why isn't Lamar Jackson making 40 plus million dollars a year this year? He's making 20 something million, right? Because that's the way his contract works. Well, he's making that much money because he didn't do this last year. 
He should have done this last year. Kyler Murray was not playing this year without a new contract. You know why? Because he has an effective agent. And I know that this is kind of like me something for agents, but if you are going to say, I am concentrating on playing the position of quarterback and I'm not going to negotiate with you right now, then you need somebody who's doing it for you so that you have the security that Richard Sherman is talking about. The only reason why Lamar Jackson does not have a new contract at this moment is because he doesn't have an agent. So I just, I can't jibe with this whole, they didn't give him security. He didn't have enough people working on his behalf to get the security for him. So don't miss me with that. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, what is your sense of this? Do you think that this is something that wakes him up to maybe getting some representation? Because I think that is one of the more intriguing storylines that came into this year that kind of disappeared, that he was actually rolling through with this. I mean, he should, but he seems stubborn enough to not. And and if you want to go the route of, you know, okay, I'm going to get franchise tagged and I, I unless they give me a fully guaranteed contract, which they're not going to do. I mean, I, I don't know why you would do that. They're not the Browns. They don't have to do something just to get a quarterback that they haven't had in, you know, franchise history since like 1993 when Bill Belichick cut Bernie, Bernie Kosar. Uh, the Ravens don't have to do that. So, you know, I... I don't know if it makes Lamar Jackson, you know, proverbially wake up or not, but the Ravens have been clear that they would like to get something done with Lamar Jackson, but they're not going to give him 230 million guaranteed dollars. I mean, how much do the the Denver Broncos regret giving Russell Wilson all the money that they gave him and they cannot get out from under that contract until a couple years from now? And that's not even all with guaranteed money. That's why you don't do guaranteed money like that. So, yeah, from a Ravens organizational standpoint, I'm not changing off my stance. And if Lamar Jackson is going to continue to be that stubborn, then he's not going to get that security that he desires until he hits the open market in another two seasons. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, joining us here on Cofield and Company. All right, let's go to one of the stories of the day. Baker Mayfield um, goes to the Los Angeles Rams. Rams decide to add Baker Mayfield here. From the Rams' perspective first, what do you make of this move? Is this, hey, we need somebody to play quarterback for us this year? Or is it, as Steve and I kind of discussed, why not take a waiver on a guy that might have some potential behind our aging and more injured quarterback? Yeah, I, I think it's what you guys have been talking about it because it is a situation where, and I'm not like trying to recklessly speculate here. I just think looking at what the situation is with the Rams and with Matthew Stafford, you cannot rule out the possibility that he may consider retirement in the offseason. I mean, whenever you're talking about a spinal cord contusion, that sounds A, very painful, and it sounds like it could be very damaging. I mean, he had numbness in his legs and all of these different types of things. And Sean McVay has said that he doesn't expect it to uh, affect Matthew Stafford in 2023, but you have to keep an open mind. And the other factor in this is, look, John Wolford and Bryce Perkins, as I said a couple minutes ago, are just not NFL caliber quarterbacks that you can say, if we need a guy to win one game for us or two games for us, we can depend on him. They can't do that right now. So if nothing else, Baker Mayfield can come in, you can get to know him, right? It's like an extended four-week tryout, basically, because the Rams are playing on Thursday. You know, just take this week out of it. So you get to see how he learns, how he interacts with his teammates, how he interacts with the support staff around the building, whether or not he he gets along with people, whether what his attitude is like in terms of potentially being a backup. And all of these things can happen. And then in the offseason, if you like him enough, you can say, you know, what, why don't you come back here for maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe you'll be our backup. And then eventually maybe you turn into Geno Smith and your career is revived here. I mean, these are the things that I think it's just a no risk 
potentially high reward move for the Los Angeles Rams. All right, last 90 seconds. We'll go rapid fire. First off, did A.J. Brown get the Titans GM fired, uh, John Robinson? I don't think it was the one factor, but I think it was certainly a contributing factor when you see that and then you see what the uh, the Titans have going on. And uh, all of a sudden, Tom Brady again in a two-minute drill can get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers downfield. Is the problem Byron Leftwich? Mm, no, I think the problem is more Todd Bowles, but uh, it's it's certainly not good. The Buccaneers stink, but Brady can be Brady when you put him in a Brady situation. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. Miles, one more thing to mention. Uh, I saw Ed Warner update the, you know, Cowboys interest with Odell Beckham and that, well, you know, the ACL doesn't look like it's going to be ready. Uh, there's some real concerns here. This ha- I, I think we brought this up with you before. This has been one of the dumbest stories I've ever seen covered in the NFL <laughs> around a guy who tore his ACL at the very end of the season as if he was going to make some miraculous nine or ten, ten month comeback and that like ten teams want him with the with the injury questions. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah, it it almost seems like now the momentum is shifting for Odell Beckham Jr. to remain a free agent, and then potentially in 2023, he'll get the deal that he wants, and we'll see him in some sort of team and perhaps contributing like he can in the regular season next year. But yeah, you're not going to get much out of him anyway. 30 seconds. What do we got going on on Peacock? Uh, This week, we've got the Peter King podcast, and we talked to uh, Tom Coughlin and specifically on the 2007 Giants and how they beat the uh, then undefeated New England Patriots. Good conversation. Miles, you are the man. We trust you. We will listen to it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, tracking a little NBA today. Busy day as uh, we got all the rumors around Aaron Judge. Just ranted and raved about that a little bit. See if he's going to go to the Giants, stay with the Yankees, or someone else gets involved. Some uh, false reports a little earlier today. Speaking of false reports, pretty much everything that was put out there by uh, 95% of the uh, UNLV Twittersphere. uh, Named from out of nowhere. Right. Barry Odom, head coach at UNLV football program. We'll get back to that at uh, 5 o'clock as we'll bring in another expert from the Midwest, Odom, former Missouri coach, and uh, was a D.C. most recently at Arkansas. But checking in on the Lakers, mm, not too bad lately. Game just started in Cleveland. 8-2, two minutes in. Cleveland is up. What's going on with the Lakers? Well, you just said it. They've won uh, 8 out of 10 games. Here's the thing, and I got like some pushback on this. when I, Steve, I hate to point out things. Uh, while they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, three of their wins have come against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, the other, the Detroit Pistons. And yes, they went to Milwaukee and got a really big win the other night. So, solid. Good. Um, would argue that they were bringing back Chris Middleton and breaking him in a little bit. And maybe that threw off the feng shui of the Milwaukee Bucks. But regardless, uh, Lakers seemingly are at least finding some consistency, which is always really good. And Anthony Davis has been freaking awesome. He's been everything that they had hoped he would be over this short 10-game stretch. Uh uh, I don't know why you're laughing. Well, because I was just thinking earlier, because he had a 55-point game. He's had all these games of, you know, 30 and 20. I was going to say 30 and 18, essentially. And yeah. I was just thinking earlier, as a Nets fan, you know, there was a moment, and I don't know that the Lakers would have ever done it, but there was, a, a you know, some discussion while all the Kyrie drama was going on that, hey, maybe the Nets and the Lakers can get together and 
The Nets can move a couple of pieces and try to get Anthony Davis. But that's if if the Nets believe in Anthony Davis as a franchise player. And now looking back on it, that would have been the friggin' heist of the century. Yeah. A healthy Anthony Davis is a top five player in the NBA. Yes, absolutely. And a healthy Kyrie Irving is an hour or a minute away from disappearing from basketball for whatever reason, right? From just walking and not playing because whatever happened today got him upset or he's deep thinking. Right. I, I would say a healthy Kyrie Irving could be a top 10 player in the NBA, but you just have no idea when he wants to play basketball. Every what day, right. every hour, every minute, you're like, keep an eye on him. What's he thinking right now? Because yep. we don't know. Well, and this is this why today was a really big test for them because Jared Allen comes back from injury for Cleveland. He's missed the last five games. So obviously really big rim protecting guy who is going to deter a lot of what the Lakers have been doing really well over these last 10 games, just destroying people in the paint. So it's a really fun and interesting test to watch what the Lakers can do here against Cleveland. Uh, but I saw, like, and this caught my attention, and it was only a few because I always hate when it's pointed out, like, people are saying this, and really it's like 10 people. But, like, one of the things why I got pushed back on pointing out that the Spurs had won or three of the victories for the Lakers during the stretch of the Spurs, there was a tweet that caught my attention, which was, this is proof. You guys got to be more patient. Rob and Jeannie knew what they were doing. Like, okay, they've won eight out of 10 games. It's been against lesser competition. It's great that they're starting to find a little bit of their stride. Let's not go all the way forward and say, they were right. Told you. They knew it the whole time. This team still has its flaws. It's going to be an underdog to five, six teams in, in terms of a series in the Western Conference. Let's pump the brakes on. We were right the whole time. Everything's perfectly fine, everybody. I was actually hoping you were coming in and you were going to back Palenka and the rest of the management team in and around the organization and Jeannie because I wanted to compare and contrast the the nepotism deal with teams being handed down to sons and daughters. She is better than the Steinbrenners. Yeah. Because she got them one title. That's what you need. And she does seem willing to spend money and take chances, and she wants to win. The Steinbrenner kids, I have no idea what they want. I just, I think they want to just live off of dad's money and, you know, be as cheap as they can with the Yankees. And if I could, I, I think she's she's digging her heels in on the right things, right? Like, right. so like the Yankees are digging their heels in a little bit with Judge and what they did before the season started. She's digging her heels in on, hey, we're not sacrificing first round picks for a very low probability shot at the title. This is these are the things that we want to do to maximize our window, and that's obviously a positive sign to somebody who runs a, a franchise like that. It's the Battleborn Sports Hour, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers in uh, Reno and Las Vegas. Up on the web at lvsportsnetwork.com. Call from anywhere in Nevada to Battleborn at 766-1400. Field and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. I will hunt down Sam Paniotovich from Nesson and Fox Sports in just a little bit. John Von Tobel, also a betting expert from VSIN, is in as the company today. Steve Cofield, Ari, is steering the ship here. All right. NFL first, because I know we want to hit some bowl games, and I love the bowl stories and the guessing game and the speculation and who's motivated, who's not. We're going to be doing that over the course of the next couple weeks until they kick these things off, and really it's less than a week. Um, NFL first. Boy, Raiders are now six. Yeah. On the road, a team that was sitting at two and seven, taking on the world champions on the road. Now, let's throw in there. While the Rams fans will yell, it's our house, right? Whose house? Rams house. SoFi can very easily become a Raiders house, and since the Rams aren't winning, oh boy, 
what is that uh, that crowd going to sound like? But anyway, it's six. Raiders are six. Well, and not only are they laying six here. Remember, they opened up as home underdogs last week to the Los Angeles Chargers. So it gives you a sign of like how much the market can swing back and forth due to results and whatnot. And the Raiders got that up, and they closed as favorites against the Chargers, and rightfully so. But that's a team that was a home underdog, what, nine days ago, ten days ago, and now here they are laying six on the road. Let's get the reaction of Sam Paniotovich, who's up with Cofield and company. Sam, what are you seeing here with the Raiders favored on the road by six? I'd take seven. Uh, easily, I'd take seven if it gets there. Okay. Why? Just because it's a great number. I mean, you know, forget the fact that this game probably before the season is Rams six. Now it's Raiders six. The Rams, you know, they're banged up at a lot of key positions, but I'd be fascinated to see how the Rams run the football against the Raiders front. Like, I think there's a chance they can still play a little bit of bully ball, and it's also a low total. Um, but most importantly, it's like, you know, Josh McDaniel stinks at covering spreads, and most of those are as an underdog. Now he's a six-point favorite. I don't know. I mean, McVay's a much better coach. Um, the problem with this time, though, in the season, guys, you know, week 14, 15, 16, and on – is that you have contenders that aren't contenders anymore, and motivation is is almost impossible to handicap. Like, do the Rams even care? If the Rams don't care, they could get blown out. But if we're looking at a number, I would take seven just because it's the most key number in the NFL. Let's hit some more National Football League games. All right, what about my Jets now? Um, looks like a little bit of the luster has worn off. Can they be competitive? I think they can be competitive. Can they be competitive against the Bills? Nine and a half. I think they can. My issue is that, man, did they outplay the hell out of Minnesota last week. And, you know, I took that one on the chin. I had Jets plus three. They had almost 500 yards. And uh, just just bonehead play calling inside the five. You know, they had that goal to go at the one, and they got the quarterback and the shotgun, which is the dumbest thing in football. You need a yard, quarterbacks at the five. So that was um, that was alarming. Um, the other thing I'm a little worried about in this game is that you have the revenge on the mind. You know, they just beat Buffalo, and it uh, looks like the public is going to line up and bet the Jets here. They're going to take nine and a half. Um, but the line is sort of hovering right there. It hasn't really moved all that much. So the fact that Buffalo's already lost to the Jets – um, probably works in favor of the Bills. I think the Jets can keep it close, but I, honestly, I think we get I think we get points in this game. This is like an overplay for me. 44, the total, that feels low with how good the Jets have been on offense. You know, it's funny. Yesterday we were talking about, uh, I don't know if you were paying attention to it, but the uh, the Raiders got flexed out of Week 15 against the Patriots. You probably were because, you know, you're in Patriot land there. But they got flexed out of Sunday Night Football, Raiders and Pats, uh, you know, Belichick and McDaniel. They switched in the Giants and the Commanders, and yeah, no. I, I understand it. I grew up in the Northeast Corridor. I understand there's a lot of people there. You know, the NFL believes that's where the ratings are, but my God, the Giants are, what, 21 in DVOA. They're 30th ranked by PFF. We're getting a Giants game in primetime, and the number says it all. By the way, I'm jumping ahead two weeks to the Commanders game, but this number says a lot, too. The Eagles at the Giants are 7 which is wild because the Giants, without looking, are the best cover team in the NFL. Do you know who the two best teams are? They're both 9-3 and three ATS. The Giants are one. Do you know who the other one is? John? Lions? Close. Okay. They're 8-4. and four. The Cincinnati Bengals okay. are 9-3. and three. 
And how about this? I saw this from Matt Jacob, who covers sports betting in Vegas. Dating back to the postseason last year, the Bengals are on a run against the number 17-3. and three. They have been on fire at the window, and they did have a couple losses early this season. They have ripped off nine covers in the last 10 games. They are laying six this week to the, the Cleveland Browns, who sucked last week. Yeah, they won big, but because Houston had, what, two interception touchdowns and there was a punt touchdown. The Browns won the game big, but the Browns are not playing well. Their defense is nowhere near as good as it's been. Deshaun Watson was terrible, which Steve and Adam Hill were talking about last week. Cincinnati might blow the doors off Cleveland. And remember this, Joe Burrow has never beaten Cleveland, 0-4 in his career. There's a lot working in favor of Cincinnati. All of a sudden, the hottest team at the window in the NFL. I bet them at 15-1 to to win the Super Bowl. What do you think? I hate you because I wish I had that. Okay. <laughs> so, I, mean, I, th- I think I have a check. It was just actually a couple days ago at Circa, so it's it's a widely available number. But I I agree. I think that team's freaking awesome. Um, and I do think – let me ask you this. From a big-picture standpoint, one of my reasonings was I don't think the market – uh, has realized the gap between a team like the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals is as wide as it is saying. I, I am somewhat down on the Buffalo Bills given the play of Josh Allen over the last four or five weeks. It makes sense. It certainly does because he has not been as efficient. Clearly that elbow is an issue. Um, looking across the board right now, I see mostly 11 and 12 to 1 on Cincy, so you got a good number, and you know, kudos to you for that. I think when we, when we take a step back, though, when we look at all the quarterbacks in the AFC, like, yeah, Mahomes is awesome. But after Mahomes, who's better than Joe Burrow? And who's done it on bigger stages than Joe Burrow? I mean, you know, you go back to his last year in college, takes him all the way to the national championship, one of the best offenses ever, mostly because of Joe Burrow. And then he takes a team that was, you know, sort of average all the way to the Super Bowl, beating Mahomes at Arrowhead. So I would power rate the quarterbacks. I'd go Mahomes one, Burrow two, Allen three. That's a really good football team, guys, in Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, they may have a Hall of Famer at quarterback, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. That's a damn good team. And and let's also think about this. You know, a lot of these books, DraftKings, FanDuel, points, but they put up numbers like adjusted win totals inside the season. I don't know who's doing it in Vegas. I know a couple shops are, maybe William Hill. But the Patriots number right now for season wins is eight and a half. And at six and six, I do not see three more wins. If you can go under eight and a half, minus 110, minus 115, they are awful against elite wide receivers. And you look at their schedule the rest of the way, they have five monsters on the schedule. They get New Hopkins this Monday, Devontae Adams on the 18th, Jamar Chase, they get Waddle and Hill in Miami, and then they get Diggs again at Buffalo end of the season. They have been shredded the last two weeks by Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs. They face five more elite receivers. I don't think they can stop all of them. And I'd go under eight and a half in-season wager on New England. I just want to add real quick to Sam's point. That's actually one of my preseason win totals that I have. Uh, I thought for like a couple weeks that maybe I was going to lose that thing. So I'm glad to hear that Sam's on my side there. That was a pre-flop or preseason wager that I got in my pocket win total-wise. Sammy, what do you think of uh, Chargers and Dolphins now, L.A. getting three? It's a good number. It really is. And this is back to that conversation we always have about the wise guys and how they bet Los Angeles. You know, for 15 years, going back to Phillip Rivers' like rookie season, you take the points with the Chargers, you don't lay the points. And we've seen them just be horrendous as a favorite last couple of years. 
How is this team six and six though? Like that's like how they they have a really good quarterback. They're loaded at wide receiver. They have Austin Eckler. The line is healthy. The D line gets pressure. The corners are good. They have Khalil Mack. How are they six and six? It has to be coaching, right? And I think, you know, we were very quick to rush to the Brandon Staley. Oh, my God, he goes for two, and he goes forward on fourth and one. Like, that doesn't mean you're a good coach. It means you have big balls. doesn't mean you're a good coach. Like, that team has underachieved a lot. And I was a little surprised at the final score, Miami-San Francisco. That game was a lot closer than it looked. I don't want to go against Miami after they just lost. I, I think that they had a couple breaks go against them in that game. I think it's a really good number. Probably a pass for me. Look at the total, too, from 51 to 52. That might be the fireworks show on Sunday. We might see this game in the 30s, 31-28. I'd probably go over uh, 51 and a half, 52, that one. Let's see if there's some numbers in college football with these bowl games to jump on early, if there's some storylines to take advantage of. Uh, both John and Sam. John, you can go first. Uh, Washington and Texas, Alamo Bowl. Uh, Huskies are getting five and a half. I just think that Texas has been an overvalued team by the betting market all season. Sam, I know you've like tracked this. Like They've been bet every single week, and they haven't been that great against the spread. Penix and Washington got a lot to play for. I, I kind of like Washington. I like the over, JVT, yeah. and this one's a little you know, creepy in terms of going up. <laughs> uh, open 65, and now we're seeing some 68s here. But Texas's defense has not really been that great. I know metrically they're, they're high in a lot of those categories, but against the heavy hitters – Texas has given up a lot of points. I think this game is going to be played like in the 30s and 40s. Penix is going to shred that secondary. Secondary is not good. He can also escape outside the pocket. But you look at Texas, you know, they gave up 37 to Texas Tech. Uh, they gave up, what, 41 to Oklahoma State, 34 to Kansas State, um, 27 to Baylor. Like they can be had down the field against a passing team. And, and Washington's defense is no good. I like the over in that one a lot. Should also note, Steve, still out. Uh, the jury's out still on Bijan Robinson and his decision to even play in the bowl game, too. That's kind of important. Yeah. That's real important. Um, looks like UCLA has been banged up to seven against Pittsburgh. That's the Sun Bowl. You got anything on this, Sam? Well, Keaton Slovis is not going to play for Pittsburgh. So what do they do? They go to, like, the second or third quarterback uh, for the Panthers, and that's – Really nothing great. UCLA, you know, they don't play a lot of defense, um, and that's really been the the trademark of a lot of these Chip Kelly teams, but the total's going down from 60 to 57 at some shops and UCLA from 4 to 7. Um, I, I might hmm, I might take the points. I might take 7. I think Pittsburgh still has something to play for. Yeah, they lose the quarterback, but he wasn't even that good this year, to be honest with you. What do you got going on the rest of the week? What are we uh, we're going to see up on the web at SP Shoot, Chicken Dinner? What's going on on Nesson? Yeah, aside from me roasting Bill Belichick all week on Nesson, um, we're just we're listening for information, man. We bet Clemson three and a half. That thing moved out to seven because it sounds like there's going to be uh, some issues at Tennessee. You got coordinator leaving, receivers opting out, Joe Milton, people divided in that locker room. Um, so just basically trying to pounce on these games quickly. So, yeah, if you're following – you know, go to Chicken Dinner at Chicken X Dinner. We've given out Clemson minus three and a half, moved to seven. And then uh, the big one was Florida. We found out that Anthony Richardson wasn't going to play the quarterback. That line moved from five to ten on Oregon State against Florida. So these numbers move, and they move in a hurry, boys. you got to be ready to go. Slamming and jamming. There he is, Sam Paniotovich. Thanks, Sam. See you, boys. Nesson, Fox Sports. I'd be a little careful on Pittsburgh. Did you want the buyback on that? Take the seven? Kind of. I, I thought that that was maybe a little bit of an overreaction. Nick Patty? Not terrible.
I don't think there's a big um, drop off I mean, between him and Slovis. If you remember the preseason, Brad Powers was talking, and Brad, you know, Brad's another one of our college football experts. He's like, the gap between Slovis, you know, because uh, you know he's a Ballyhood guy, you know, big name because he was from UCLA or USC. Mm-hmm. Like, not that big a gap. And people are going to see, oh, starting quarterback, transfer, big deal, right? I saw that with Oklahoma State. Like, Spencer Sanders transferring. There was a report three weeks ago that he was going to transfer. Got to pay attention. Five o'clock hour is on the way. Reno, you can listen to the entire show, the archives at lvsportsnetwork.com. It's all brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyer, 766 1400.